Good morning, and welcome to Two Girls in a Pod. I'm Sharon. I'm Christy. Hope all of you are doing well. Hope you've been taking time to take care of yourselves, all that fun stuff, and at least, you know, doing things you like. Christy and I have, like, a lot of conversations. <laughs> lots and lots of them. You know, one thing we talk about is uh, I come from a Latin background and you come from... A white background. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to put words in her mouth. <laughs> with, with, with some southern flair in there. Because both your parents are southern. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, when you get with people, it's like, how do you make that work sometimes? Because there are some differences. Oh, yeah. And, and it really is about a blending of things. And like, as you said, both of my parents were from the south, but they met in the north, which is where I was raised. So I have the influence of where they were raised, you know, because they it was southern cooking and all of those kinds of things. But I never lived in the south, which, you know. And you really and, and grew up in a really Pentecostal church environment as well, which is part of that cultural piece as well. Right. And, and uh, my dad had been raised uh, Southern Baptist. So it took him some adjusting when he got with my mom and she had been raised in a Pentecostal background. So that was a little out there for him at first, but he kind of came around to that. And so he, they, they attended a Pentecostal church all of my life growing up. So, so even like for that, you know, and when we talk about the blending of the cultures and things like that, it's not just the ethnic cultures, but there's religious and spiritual cultures. Also, that's a huge thing. Different cultures. I was raised in a very small town, whereas you were raised in a city. Yeah, that's a very different thing, that, too. And for us, that was one of our bigger things, was the city versus the, the country living, because we, we went back and lived in the country for, you know, in, in my hometown, which is very small. So a little shout out to Down North Colorado. Mm-hmm. In very, very small, but... You went to school, you went to Adam State University there, and uh, that's where my master's is from, and that's where I worked community mental health. So we lived there for 10 years, and that was an adjustment for you. It was definitely uh, like a culture shock for me because I was used to being in a city where that I had access to lots of amenities, even, you know, food delivery <laughs> for one thing. That's just not a part of that kind of life. And so and I don't regret my time there. I appreciate the time that we spent there created a lot of meaningful relationships. I really enjoyed attending Adams State University. And so, yeah, it was a good experience. And we loved our home there. We loved our home there. Yeah, it was really cute. And we really made it our own. And, you know, of course, we met June there and the girls, June, Alicia, and Joy. And, of course, they've become such a huge part of our lives. And so, I mean, it, it was just a lot of things. You know, we made amazing friendships there, and we still keep some friendships down there and, you know, families there. And so it was, and for me, my parents and family were there. So for me, it was not really an adjustment. But for you, it was not having family there. I think you've embraced my culture really well. Yeah, well, you know, I appreciate because there was a lot that I learned there. You know, I didn't grow up on a farm or, or anything like that, so... <laughs> I helping out there and that that was that was definitely a learning experience. <laughs> Not always the funnest, but you know. Yeah, my dad didn't care when you're there, you're gonna help out. And so yeah, so Christy gotta do everything from uh hauling wood to working out in the fields and 
even in watching herd cattle across the road was that was a very different experience. <laughs> your, in fact, your sister was down. So Rebecca's down visiting, and she's in the valley with us. And we're driving into town, and they're herding the cattle. Yeah, well, you know, to, uh, we're just they're like, okay. She was there, like, <laughs> what are they doing? She was just, you know, in shock. Yeah. So it's it's a fun memory. But, you know, it's it's those things. And the things I think that, we you know, when people get together, I think that sometimes they'll think, oh, man, this is what I need to adjust to maybe the cultural ethnic differences. But it might be something more like small town, big town. And how do you balance those things out? And the melding of many different interests and all of those kinds of things, too. It's, you know, not just, like you said, an ethnic cultural thing or or even it could be religious thing, but like like I say, different interests and stuff that people have and and coming together on those kinds of things when you put together a family. And, you know, and that's the other thing. And then when you do have, I mean, we don't have children, but when you, you know, when I work at this, when, you know, I see people and they have kids and it's like, what do we teach them? And it's how they, and I always tell them, it's okay to take even a blending of your traditions, blend them together and create your own off of those traditions, those things that you find valuable and how do you make them your own so that's something that you get to pass down and things like that because you know tradition is important i was not used to this our tradition even at christmas was we opened presents on christmas eve and then christmas day you know we had our stockings i got with you and it was the complete op it's like you do everything on christmas morning yeah and i i didn't understand <laughs> yeah so i mean we've kind of shifted that and started doing like your your family would do and, and opening gifts the night before. And, and you know, it's nice. And, I mean, there are some some things that people can compromise on, like stuff like that, and some it's more difficult. And you have to have discussions about different things. I think that you really see that come into play if, well, there's some couples that I don't think they'll, maybe they don't talk about, like, the religious differences and stuff prior to getting together but then you see that become an issue sometimes when they've been in a relationship and maybe are, they're having children or that. And then to what you're going to pass on to those children about beliefs and things like that, then all that starts to come into play. So it's really important, I think, to have those discussions prior to that. And I've never understood that either. And oftentimes, you know, in my practice, I have found that, you know, that very thing. Well, I was raised this and I was raised this. Well... I don't think that they should be right. Those are things really that are important, you know, is how do you teach somebody to have a faith, you know, when they're especially the little people, to have a faith or a belief system or whatever that is. And I think it's it is one of those things that I'm I'm always surprised that people haven't had that conversation before having kids sometimes. And I don't know for the listeners out there if you're sitting there thinking, "Oh my god, yeah, you know, this was something that we I encountered in my relationship, whether it's a marriage or a long-term relationship, committed relationships, whatever that is. Even friendships sometimes you're invited to their home or something and it's like really different." Right. You know, I remember the first time I went, uh I was in South Carolina and and uh, the friends invited me over to stay and it was just very different how they ate and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was just there like, "Oh, wow, this is kind of interesting." <laughs> And one of the things I think is really neat about that is all the new that you get to create, yes. especially, like you say, with like ethnic differences and, and things like that, the, the different foods that those cultures eat, to incorporate that all in together and see that as an opportunity to 
like especially with children, to have them carry on different aspects from each parent's different traditions and things like that. So it's really, I think, an opportunity. It is, but I think that opportunity only happens when people are open and willing to look at different things. But sometimes, you know, people are raised very with a certain set of values or ideas, and sometimes it's really hard for them to embrace other ones or are almost afraid of giving those up like they're being asked to give them up or whatever. And I don't think in our relationship we ever asked each other to give up anything. I mean, you love your the cornbread and black eyed peas and so I and I ain't doing it. To me, the way they that y'all do that, and I'll tell her, I might as well just go get a handful of sand and chew on it because that's <laughs> what it feels like to me. <laughs> Which, like I say, I mean, that comes from my parents' influence and in that because in Illinois, it wasn't, you know, like everybody around there did that. But it, both my parents being from the South, it was the kinds of foods they ate. Well, it's even, it, it's really funny because the first time your mom made chili. Mm-hmm. I was there like, hmm, this is interesting because it was sweet and it was, it wasn't with any, it doesn't have chili. (laughs) She does a sweet chili. Well, there's, you know, different kinds of chili, so. Yeah, it didn't, no, I'm telling y'all right now. (laughs) Well, it wasn't your kind of chili. No, but that's what I mean, even like with that. So it's one of those things, it's good, but it was just really different for me. Right. You know, I was just like, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's things that every, you know, everybody has to adjust to those different things, especially when you, you know, come together in a relationship. And then sometimes it's even more difficult when you add in the other parts of families, because sometimes they're not willing to accept different things about your partner choice and or, you know, whether it be something about their culture or something about or the fact that it's a female, you know, <laughs> or the fact that it's a female, you know, yeah, or something like that. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that was really interesting to me because I, you know, in talking with a lot of my family and my, in particular, and then an uncle, and they were there, like, they were really surprised by my dad. It was my dad's sister that my dad was so accepting of me and just how they were with, how not my mom, more my dad, being in the Latin culture and that. And uh, that was really surprising to them how he just embraced you. And he all, my parents always introduced you as their daughter-in-law. And so that was a little bit different. And so for me, your culture was different in that aspect because it was not the same. No. But did you feel like that your mom was pretty accepting too? Yeah, mom really was. And I think the reason they thought that about dad, I don't know why they thought that about dad, because he could, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I think because they thought he would be more strict or something. I don't know what that was, but I remember having that conversation with them and that was really surprising to them. This was really neat about your parents because they were so much older that they were so accepting of things like that. Like they were very progressive. Yeah. You know, they were extremely progressive, which was kind of interesting. And I and I think even with that, you know, they embraced all the different cultures and everything that came into our family. The my siblings who had stepkids in that, to them, they were their grandkids. There was no they never made they didn't do distinctions. It was just like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. These are the grandkids. And some of the grandkids still, that even though their divorces happen and all that, they still call them grandma and grandpa. <laughs> and even accepting their different choices as far as racial differences and things like that, they felt like that they were very encompassing of everybody. Yeah. It, then once again, you know, we look at your side, which was a little bit different for us. Yeah. I mean, so start with the fact, too, that my parents 
my dad was 24 years older than my mom. Yes. That was something that the family had to accept too, their age difference and all of that when they got together. And then their ideas about things wasn't so accepting like your parents really, you know. So for me to be with a female, that was really hard for them to accept. And, and that I was raised Catholic. No, <laughs> that too. Seriously. That too, yes. Yeah. There were those things that they struggled with. So it, it put a lot of burden on our relationship for a good while. But I. Not ours, your parents and you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. My relationship with my parents. But they, over time, seemed to do better with it. My dad was very vocal in that he. He was adamant that, this, you know, I don't accept this, but I love you. And so he just, he had his boundaries, but he didn't get quite as emotional like my mom did over <laughs> things. So, and I think a really good example of that is when they came to, they were, they came by and were visiting and they came to our house to visit and my, they were actually getting ready to move out of state. And so they stopped to see me before leaving. And my dad had said that he would not come into our house. And it was just, that was just how he felt about it. He did come to see me in that, wanted to spend some time, but that was his boundary. But he did it in a respectful way. And I think that's what I really appreciated about that. It was very respectful. This is my belief. I'm not criticizing you or anything, but this is my boundary. And then, and I think that's what it is in, in the blending of some of those things is how do we accept some people's boundaries and, and understand they're not, a boundary is not about the other person. It's, it's about the person setting the boundary. It's about what's comfortable for me. It's about what's within my belief system or whatever. And, but so many times when people set boundaries, other people take that personally mm-hmm. and it's not, we understood that that was his boundary. That was his belief. And then we, and then in turn, I think it was really important for us to be respectful of that as well. Yeah. But you're right. As time went on, first time we went to visit them, we couldn't stay in their home. And we were, were like, okay. So we didn't. You know, when you saw your brother, they would bring the brother to us and we'd see him and they would visit us outside of the home. The next year, we we, we were we were allowed to go to their home. And then after that, it became that. The relationship had to morph because there had to be that mutual respect and respecting their belief system and at the same time them being okay not maybe not being accepting but they were respectful right and i think that's what's really important it really got to where you know right before your dad passed away we got to take the trip to disney world with them and had this really amazing time right so the thing is is that even in the blending of cultures or, or cultures or whatever that is that's blending sometimes people will be very quick almost trigger happy in a way. It's so like if somebody doesn't accept them right away, then it's like, oh, okay, then fine. Right. And they go on to the next thing. Instead of understanding if, if a relationship is important and it has value, then it deserves some investment. And how do you, how do you do that? Well, for one thing, giving it time and being patient with people because you do have to give it that time to morph and for those people to have the growth And for you, even yourself, to have that growth, because you do have to accept sometimes it's a little bit hard to accept that this is their boundary or whatever. But like you say, if it's done in a respectful way. And there are so many different 
blendings that can happen with families that it's it's there's so many different things that that you can look at for example to have to adjust to i look at families that come together maybe it's stepchildren with another family and they do things differently and these these kids come to live with them and how much different that looks like think about if they've never been with a parent that's in the military and then all of a sudden they're in a military family and they're moving from places to places and there's so many different aspects of that. Exactly. You know, sometimes parents adopt children who are not of their own ethnic background. And I have a parent now and it, it, it was a struggle. But, you know, one of the things that I really like about what she's doing is that she will provide information to the child about his culture will go to your country. She's so open to it because it's not about taking away his culture. It's about how do you incorporate that culture? What is important for him? Because, you know, of course, he's always been in the United States. So his culture is the culture of the United States. But if there's that piece of him that wants to learn that other, she is all about it. And I think those are the things is understanding that there are going to be, and I often have that when I have parents, you know, when I work with people and, and you know, whether it's uh, they've adopted a, a child from another country and stuff, and then it's like that child is there like, okay, but why do I look different or whatever that is? And then how do you help them to still embrace that culture as well as the culture in which they were adopted into? And I think it's once again, the biggest thing of all of this is communication, Yes. And we've always talked about communication. Communication is the foundation of everything. How do you communicate that? How do you sit there and tell your spouse, I don't like cornbread, <laughs> the, 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 the Southern cornbread. And, you know, how do you say that to them? I tried it and I was just there like, hmm, but that doesn't mean now I'm not going to make cornbread because then I do the cooking, but Christy knows how to make her own cornbread. <laughs> I'll make beans or black eyed peas, maybe <laughs> doing the cornbread. And since I don't cook, I hardly ever make cornbread. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) But if she really wanted, I would learn how to do it. I would make it because that's something that's important to her. Once again, it's why why do we incorporate those things into the thing? Even, you know, we were even talking about that is, you know, even sometimes when people decorate, it's like, how do you do that sometimes? Yeah, like say if it's a relationship and you, you have very different styles. How do you bring that all together? And it's funny because oftentimes when I'm working with men, they'll say, yeah, there's not a whole lot of my personality in the home. And I'll be like, well, why not? My wife doesn't like my style or whatever, whether it's sports or whatever. And then so, and one of mine, he's always in his man cave when we're talking and it's his. And it, you can tell it's decorated with his likes and his interests, you know. And I think that's great when you have that man cave, you know, if you can have that man cave and, or whatever and make and create it and make it yours. Or the the ladies lair, let's not forget. Exactly. You know, whatever. Do you think you need a ladies lair now? (laughs) No, I have the whole house. (laughs) I get to do the plants. (laughs) But even that, plants are very important to me. I grew up with them. My mom, they were always in our home. I mean, I, to me, a house without a plant is kind of bare. It's so weird. Even in our office, well, we have quite a few plants in the house. So, but it's a good thing that you're here to take care of them. 
you know, even in our office, I, we called it our living walls. So I got two plants and I put them on the wall. And, you know, in the five years we were there, they got huge. And people would come in and just absolutely loved our plants. And they were healthy. And, and they're just something that I think it provides, you know. Um, I can digress quickly when it comes to plants. So I better shift. <laughs> hmm? I'm really here visualizing my plants. But yeah, I think those are the things, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. When we're talking about the blending of things, it's it's what it's our likes, our dis you know what our dislikes, it's our cultures, it's our ethnic and it's our spiritual. It can be anything. This is Pride Month, and I always tell, and once again, even with that, it's to accept somebody does not mean we have to agree with them. To accept somebody does not mean we have to say this is okay with me on every level right they don't have to embrace it to that degree but some people do struggle with that and so like i said when i work with the lbgtq plus community i always say once again when you come out you've known this for much longer than the people you're coming out to so hold space for a minute it's one of those situations because that happens too in every relationship whether the lbgtq plus community or other People will be dig their heels in and no, I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to. And, you know, if that's the case, then that's when you, you, you realize you sometimes have to walk away from those relationships that are not going to be accepting and can be toxic. So it's if something can't blend, and sometimes that's even within a family system, you can only do so much. Yeah, you see a lot of families that you think about when they come together, like for holidays and things like that, extended family, maybe they're that and maybe they're not as accepting of your partner choice or whatever it is. And that's those are things that is, are sometimes hard to deal with and hard to make those things blend in that way. Well, it's like one of my clients, he had been visiting his family and the grandparents kept calling him by the wrong name. He, and I says, well, did that upset you? And he goes, you know, like a little bit, but then no, because he then went to the place of, they're my grandparents, they're older, this is new for them. So having that understanding, I think is important, especially if you're doing stuff with sometimes older people, they may not understand. Mm -hmm. And that can be the case, but sometimes you also do have to set boundaries because you don't want the person that you're with to feel somehow diminished when those people are around because maybe they're not accepting. So you Absolutely. do have to set those boundaries sometimes. Absolutely. And I think that's what it is, is that how do you, how do you do these things with respect? You know, how do you communicate to others what's important for you? And like I said, it always comes down to communication, communication, communication. How do we communicate what is our needs? How do we communicate those things that are valuable and important to us? Because oftentimes we won't. And then we're upset at the person for not complying with this, but they don't know they're supposed to be complying. They don't know that that belief or that how you do something is that important to you. And I'm serious. I've had couples argue about how the toilet paper goes on. <laughs> I am not kidding. It's funny that you should say that because even when we were in the office, I remember whenever somebody else would put the toilet paper roll on, they would put it what I felt like was backwards. So every time we'd go, I would go in there, I would change it around. <laughs> exactly. But I had a couple uh, years ago arguing about that. And I'm looking at them. I go, well, there's a very easy solution for that. 
And they're both looking at me and they go, what? And I said, you have two bathrooms. I said, make one the one you want with the roll you want. And they're, they're like, what? I said, it, just use the bathroom that the roll, because that, it bothered them. Yeah, I'm, they're like, and I'm, they're like, well, that seems, I mean, that's not something I'm going to get really, you know, it's not that important to me. But the thing is, is that whatever's important to somebody, that's what matters. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. You drink coffee out of a dark cup. Yeah, I have a thing about that. <laughs> I'm just there. Uh, so, uh, not that I make the coffee, just so y'all know. But if I did, I'd put her coffee in the dark cup. I get her the dark cup out every morning. I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, no, you got to drink out of a white cup coffee. But people will do, people, if it's a preference even, how do we respect that? Yeah. If for whatever your reason, a kid likes their toast cut straight up and down versus diagonally, just who cares? Mm-hmm. That's a preference, too. And maybe it just aggravates the crap out of them. I don't know. And maybe it seems quirky to you, but. And sometimes even in that, you will get those quirky things where people like they, they do things in a specific way, but they may be doing them in a specific way for. But and some, then that's where I say communication comes in. Is there a reason that you need to do that that way? Oh, yeah. You know what? When I was growing up, this was something that I did with my grandfather and my grandma and my parents, somebody, my siblings. Or, you know what, I just really liked it. I did it and it felt good and I like to continue to do it. Whatever it is, it's not about judging it. Or how I build my nachos. I don't like to put the chips on the bottom where they're soggy. (laughs) My sister thinks that's weird, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, exactly. You know, when I was making nachos, I did them and she was there like, hmm, I don't like them that way. I didn't sit there and say, well, you know what, I'm the cook and that's the way we're going to do it. No. Not that big of a deal. But sometimes we will make a big deal out of things that are not, especially when it comes to our preferences and our things like that. Or, And, you know, the bigger, those are little things. But when we look at belief systems and cultural things, uh, ethnic things, those are a little bit bigger in that because belief is something that is very ingrained in us, as is our ethnic background. What does that ethnic background look like? How do you... Hold true to your authentic self in a way, because our belief system and our ethnicity and things like that are part of that authentic self. And it's how do I communicate that to the person that I'm going to be with or my friendships, whatever those relationships are. How do I communicate that? Because it can even be in the workforce. Mm -hmm. You know, my friend Heather, she's Jewish. So, you know, Hanukkah is big for her. We had a situation at work and, and she showed her jewish background there and i thought it was beautiful (laughs) yeah you know but that's what i mean those things show up in different places but it's always a matter of maintaining a respect i think that that is the huge key to that you know when you're looking at those differences understanding you may not have a good understanding of why a person you know why it's important to them But maintaining that respect when you're telling them, well, hey, I don't get that. So and having that communication, like you say. Well, and I think that's the thing is communication. If I communicate something, then there's a better chance you're going to respect it because you're going to have a better understanding of it. Now, if I communicate it and you still don't respect it, then that's on the other person. Then it's how important and valuable is that to you? And like you say, it's a range of things. It could be something small, but that's that's the thing that you have to keep in mind too. So 
sometimes you have to pick and choose battles. We always say that. And there's, oh, yeah. you want to maintain, hopefully, peace in your relationship. You want to have that, you want your relationship to add to you. It's not about tit for tat or just being argumentative. Nobody wants to feel that turmoil all the time. Well, and I think the other key thing that's really important is that, you know, we talked about blending of it. It's sitting down and having that thing, you know, we've done that, you know, particularly with the holiday thing. It's recently, and you know, they're like, you know, I eat. So then what we did is we morphed into it. We'd open one gift on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and then it's like, I just, I don't, it, it didn't feel the same. I mean, but it was okay because it was some type of a compromise that we made and all of that, which I thought was great because we had to, to look at that differently. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes as you grow, you realize just because something was always the way that it was, you find that at, as you over time, you realize that maybe you're hanging on to something that's not, maybe it's not as important as you thought, or it's not that you want to lose tradition or cultures or those kinds of things, but you kind of put things in a different perspective, I think. Well, I think what's really interesting is how many years did we make turkey for the holiday? And guess what? Neither one of us is a turkey eater. <laughs> we don't no. like turkey like that. So it's like funny, but they're like, no. And then, you know, like even with your mom, we would tell her, well, are we having turkey? Nope. No, we got over that. And, you know, if, if I'm inviting you to my home for the holiday, I will just let you know in advance that's we're not turkey's not going to be on the menu. We're not ham eaters either. So when my nephew comes and he eats ham, he he gets the ham. I don't mind cooking the ham. I will I will make the food, but it's not one of those things that is on our thing. But for a long time, I think we compromised that even for other people. Yeah, and now we don't. Now we're just there like mm, nah, don't yeah. want to do it. Right, and even in that, sometimes we hold on to those values or those things for other people and then you you get to a point even there they're like hmm no yeah yeah well i where i find that really especially talking uh, along the lines of food is that there's a lot of things that i you know used to eat when i was younger that i really can't anymore because you know dietary needs change so you just don't feel well when you eat those foods. And sometimes you have to set that boundary with your family because they are so used to those traditional meals and those kinds of things. And you're like, no, I can't. I'm sorry. I just can't eat that way anymore. And sometimes that can become a real issue well, with families. I think it's interesting because we had that a couple years back with your mom. Christy eats a piece of apple pie only on Thanksgiving. That's her time. She eats one small piece. Yeah. And we had told her mom that. So we had said, hey, we already got the apple pie for the Thanksgiving and Christy will have her one piece. Her mom proceeds to go and get an apple pie and make an apple pie. Before and Thanksgiving. Before Thanksgiving <laughs> and takes it to Christy at work. The Christy before probably would have taken the apple pie and on and on. But this time you handled it differently. Yeah. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I appreciate that you thought of me. But as I've mentioned, I have my my one piece that day. We've already gotten it. I'm not going to take this. I'm sorry. And your mom? Oh, she was pretty emotional about it. <laughs> Cried and all sorts. Because her mom, once again, being from the South. They love with food. 
Yes. Yeah. And I understood what she was doing. She was, that was her way of saying, oh, look, Christy likes apple pie. I'm going to make her an apple pie. But not understanding that she missed the big piece of Christy only has one small piece. And it wasn't even a small piece she brought you. No, no. <laughs> no. It was half the pie. <laughs> <laughs> and things like that. And you're right. It's, we make, oftentimes when we set those boundaries, even around what is important to us, it can, other people take that personally, like somehow you're insulting them, rejecting them, whatever, the list can go on. And it's not that, but it's how do you blend those things? How do you, and now your mom understands that you only have that one piece and it it wasn't about her. It wasn't about you loving her or whatever, but oftentimes people, because we incorporate all these other messages all the time that sometimes aren't even relevant anymore, but we don't know how to get rid of them. So we just keep doing them. Mm-hmm. Well, and sometimes you don't even realize it because mm-hmm. like I say, I mean, you're just so used to some things being the way that they were. You just continue with them. And sometimes you realize much later that, you know, maybe that's not even that important to me. It was just, you know, that's what my family did. So, you know, you have to sort it all out in your own mind and then have those discussions about it. Well, once again, it's how do I communicate that? Yeah. Oh, the other big one, when you talk about blending people together, is money. (laughs) Because people grow up differently. Some grow up poor, some grow up rich, some grow up being taught how to take care of money, some grow up thinking you just spend it when you get it. I have more conversations with clients about money. And why don't understand? Well, why does this person do this? Sometimes it's you have to sit down and you have to find out, well, where does this come from? And oftentimes, well, that's just the way it's always been done. That's how my family does it. And not understanding that how a family did something financially, you know, 30 years ago was not going to be the same way you can do stuff financially today. Yeah, definitely. But money is a culture as well. That is sometimes a very difficult one to blend as well. Because it's like if one came from poverty, maybe. And so their thing is, is I need to work to make and save. And then the other one came from a little more affluent thing. There's this like, well, what are you doing? Why are we saving all this money? We don't have to say this money, but the one growing up in the affluent family is no longer part of that family. They're part of this one. So you have to blend with the person that you're with. And if you're going from a family that makes 300000 plus a year, and now you're in a marriage where y'all are making $80,000 a year or less, you can't keep the affluent culture in that same way. You have to be able to have those conversations. And like I said, I, that's another big one I have in my offices around money. And how each one sees money. But each one will see money based on the culture in which they were raised. Yeah. Whether, you know, and I'm talking about the financial culture in which they were raised. And sometimes it's, if I was raised poor, I'm never going to be poor again. Mm-hmm. So they will hold on to that money and do all that, that. And that puts a huge strain on relationships because... And that one's one that, you know, when I work with uh, couples, you know, is how do we look at man? How do we manage money when we have two, two differing philosophies on money? That is a really difficult one. Yeah, sometimes you have someone that feels like they need to make every single dollar stretch. I think you guys were having the conversation about someone that you knew in the family that used to take the napkins apart to, to make them one ply so everybody had... Really? had a napkin but it was you know just taking the napkins apart simple little things like yeah. that and i i can't imagine that 
I'm there like, Jesus, I'll go spend the extra dollar. Just give me a full napkin, <laughs> you know? And that's what it is. Even like when we, we buy certain foods and stuff, you know, it's like that is our lifestyle culture as far as our healthy eating. We will buy certain things. And that's okay if people come, you know, we invite them over. This is what we eat, you know. If And, and I like to be courteous and I'll ask people. Right. A friend of mine had the gastric sleeve done. So the way she eats changed. Her friendship with me is super important. So we were having them over and I'm making the phone. They're like, oh my God, I don't know if she can eat this. So I call her up right away and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm making this. Is, you know, is this something you can eat, not eat, whatever. And she, she told me and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And she said, it'll, it'll be a very small amount, but yes. And that is one of the things that I've heard a lot of them talk about after having that surgery is that when they go out with someone socially, they are not able to see, eat the same quantity of food or that. So they feel kind of strange in that situation. They go out and they're like, I ate my one tablespoon of food and I can't eat anymore. And everybody else at the, at the table is still eating. So I know that that's something that they've struggled with. Well, you know, because eating itself and, you know, the way we eat in the United States, you know, social eating is such a huge thing right. and how we do that and stuff. And that's something that's in, even when we go to the South, which we don't go as much, thank goodness, is where they're like, we can't eat this. Yeah. You know, we just can't do it. And sometimes they might have that thing of, oh, they're so uppity. But it's not that my body doesn't handle some of that stuff anymore because mm -hmm. we don't do it. And it's not about feeling like we're superior or whatever. It has to do with how our bodies work. Mm -hmm. And when you're, you, when you're trying to, you know, when you're doing your best to have a healthy lifestyle, you want to continue with that healthy lifestyle, which is interesting because one of our friends, Kathy G, she's vegan. And when we travel with her, she carries all of her food mm -hmm. because she knows that along the way. And part of that friendship is, is we're just there like, okay, so now if we're going out, we were having meetings or whatever, we'd always make sure we look for somewhere that did vegan. And one of our friends, she's a carnivore. <laughs> I'm telling you that lady, well, she loves me. So it's how do we blend that together? Because those relationships are important. Exactly. It's not a big deal for me to go and look up when we'll go Google, look up where we can go that's vegan and that also has meat for the other one. If you meeting those compromises and that's just on that level, that's not as intimate as your Spouse marriages and partner. spouses and partners. But it's still important. Right. And I think that's what it comes down to is you have to prioritize the relationship. So you really have to communicate those differences and, and come to a, a, a common ground on things. And even like with uh, Kathy G, she's introduced us to some really great vegan food. So it's not like we sit there and say, oh, no, we're not going to. So now we share a part of her lifestyle and culture, mm -hmm. the vegan culture, which is kind of cool. Okay, the first vegan cheese, I'm there like, oh, God, no. And she goes, no, no, no. She goes, try this. And we did. It was good. And that's what I mean. It's you incorporate some of that. I always love our friend Sylvia because when she gets the German chocolates mm -hmm. and she'll give us a German chocolate for Christmas sometime. And it's great. It's the blending of the cultures. We were over at her daughter Vanessa's uh, graduation party this last weekend. And uh, they have an exchange student from Germany and their, her parents were here. It was really great because we got to sit and talk with them. They were listening to us, and but we talked about those cultures and we talked about language. In any time that you can learn more, 
But once again, it's through communication. You have to be willing to talk about things. And on any level, any relationship we have, we will always have those differences, but we have more in common than we do different. Mm -hmm. But we will focus on those differences and people will dig their heels in about those differences. Yeah. And if you can, you know, keep an open mind and not be so rigid about things and, and, you know, hear the other person out and why those things are important to them. I think that especially when it comes to families with, you know, children, you get to pass along all those things. And it really just makes those kids a more well-rounded person to be knowledgeable of all that your family encompasses. Absolutely. And I think that's the, the thing when we're talking about this today is how do we communicate what our needs are as far in our relationships without, because we don't, we shouldn't get in a relationship and feel like we have to compromise all of those values, all of those, our ethnics, our ethnicity, our spiritual values or things like that. We shouldn't have to pretend like they don't exist or try to say the other person's belief system or whatever is more important. It really is about how do we communicate in those situations so that we can keep part of that authentic piece to us because it is important because over time when we give up those kind of things, it eventually will manifest in other ways. And the best way to get that from manifesting is to truly have those conversations. Talk to your spouse, your kids, to let them know why this was important to you growing up. And even if it's not something that you guys are, you know, that you do now, you know, when I grew up, this was something that was important, but you know, it's changed, you know, when we got married and we made it this other tradition or whatever it is, because sharing that knowledge still gives them a piece of their history too. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's being able to stop and be respectful. If we don't like something that somebody else is doing, we never have to be mean. We do not have to be mean. Right. If I don't like something, I can say it in effect, an effective way. I And if it's something that really isn't relevant to me, leave it alone. Leave it alone. But sometimes we will feel the need to point those differences out. Well, why do you need that? We don't even practice that. You don't even practice that. And maybe somebody doesn't practice something, but sometimes they keep a little bit of something of their past because it still reminds them of the their core family system that they grew up in. So it may not be something that they actively do, but it might have value. So if something has value to somebody, respect that value. You don't have to understand it all the time, but do respect it. You don't even really have to participate. I mean, you know. Exactly. So I guess walking away from today's episode is when we're able to have relationships, marriages, partnerships, whatever you want to call it, with somebody else from a different, with, that has different ideas and cultures or uh, ethnicity, spirituality, take that opportunity to learn from them, learn about them, share yours, and then blend those together and make them fit for you. You don't have to argue and fight. And sometimes we will dig our heels in and I see it often in my office and I'm there like, how relevant is this really? But it's because I don't know if somebody needs to be right or whatever, but whatever that is, take that moment and really think about it. And think about if I could, if it could be both of those things blended together, what would that be? 
communicate, communicate, communicate. And at the end of the day, just be respectful of each other. So, as always, we wish you all a wonderful week. And we look forward to our next episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye. Bye.